When I started this podcast, I knew I wanted to bring on passionate individuals who had spent a lot of time and energy on distance skateboarding. Gavin Conti is definitely one of those people. Gavin has been skateboarding for a while and has a great perspective on what it takes to overcome the challenges that distance skateboarders face. We discuss the mental side of ultra skate, Gavin's skateboard collection, a little bit of gear talk, as well as we cover an event happening in November called Skate Camp. This episode is a little bit longer than the previous ones. As always, I'm your host, Max Frank. Thank you for listening. Welcome to Skating in Circles. I'm here with Gavin Conti. Gavin, what's up, my man? Nothing much. How you doing, Max? I'm doing good. Did I get your last name right there? I didn't I didn't ask before. Yeah, Conti. Conti is correct. All right. And Gavin Conti, where do you live now? So the people know. It's talk about a little transformation going on right now, I guess. Yes, absolutely. So uh, I'm currently residing in Greenville, South Carolina. However, I am in the process of moving to the Cleveland area up to Ohio, which will be a an interesting move in terms of weather. However, uh, there's some some good skate trails and some good uh, skating, hopefully, up there. So we'll see how that goes. Yeah, that's pretty cool. There's the uh, social push Cincinnati, right? I don't know how close Cincinnati yes. is to Cleveland. I'm not good on Ohio. Yeah, unfortunately, it's the opposite side of the state. Oh, there you go. Um, there you go. Corey's, Corey's <laughs> done a great job. <clears throat> excuse me. Corey's done a great job with that social push Cincy, and I'm pretty envious of, you know, a weekly scene with tons of people. Greenville here is a little, you know, on the um, the lean side for skaters. There's a handful of us and we meet up, you know, on weekends and stuff. But uh, it's really only me and, and one other guy or maybe, uh, you know, two or three others. If you include the downhill guys who once in a while will join us on the trail. But um, but anyway, yeah, it's, a, it's, you know, not not too big of a scene here. But up in Ohio, Corey's done a great job with Social Push Cincy. And I'm hoping to maybe, you know, start a similar movement or at least get a couple skaters who are into some LDP up in Cleveland. I think it's about four hours away from Cincinnati. So um, not overly close. You guys are going to have a little rivalry. It'll be like. <laughs> yes and actually i think there's uh there's like a uh i think there's a really long trail Corey skates it the, the miami trail i think goes for a long a long way so anyway i'm sure we'll meet up and you know and uh and get some more support for ldp in the general ohio scene but i'm really hoping to um to get some skaters in cleveland it's always fun to skate with people yeah dude that's awesome having trails i like the paved trails is is key i feel like because Anytime you ride one of the, like a, a skateboard on a trail, you definitely turn heads, you know, like people take note of it and like oh, yeah. get a lot of questions. So it's a great way to spread, spread the movement, you know? Absolutely. And, you know, we have a, a good trail here in Greenville, South Carolina. It's called the Swamp Rabbit Trail. And, uh, you know, we definitely make some friends with cyclists and they're, they're pretty impressed with how fast we can go. Um, and some some people come visit here, you know, so I was mentioning the local guys, really only a handful of us. But, you know, if you expand the um, the circle out to the Charlotte area, we got guys like Timmy P who come down and skate the trail as well. Um, and, you know, he's a legend. So, um, yeah, it's awesome. This is this is a good area. But, you know, if there was some more skaters around here, just looking forward to uh, to the trails in Ohio, but not so much the weather in Ohio. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know what that's like. Is it is it super... Is it like New England kind of like where it just gets cold for about half I expect the year? it to be like New York. Yeah. I mean, where I grew up from like a, you know, a horizontal perspective, it's, it's a similar, 
uh, latitude. However, um, you know, it's, it's longitude, latitude. I don't know which one is the correct one to say there. Um, but anyway, <laughs> I think you got it right. I think you got it right. <laughs> I think latitude is yeah. right. Yeah. Lats. Goes yeah, across. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, um, uh, it's a similar latitude to New York where I grew up. So I expect it to be, you know, pretty cold in the winters. I've, I've gotten real used to the uh, warm weather here in South Carolina. I've gotten uh, used to it real quick. So when it drops to the forties and fifties here, I feel like it's super cold. So, uh, you know, going up to where there'll be actual snow instead of just a dusting, um, you know, it'll take me some time to get used to, but I'll probably start snowboarding again and trying to find some different activities there. So, yeah, you got to go back to that mentality of like, it stays 40 and 50 for a while. And like, when you're coming out of the winter, it's like, oh, it's 50 today. Like, let's go do something outside. Whereas on the other way, when you're coming from the summer, it's like, all right, let's stay inside. It's too cold. Like... <laughs> when it's 50 degrees yeah i don't know how adam does it i mean he skates and like adam and paul i mean i'm gonna have to try and do it but those guys are just skating in you know super cold temperatures and i mean it's kind of inspiring to try and get out there you know i kind of feel like uh it's ridiculous for me to not be comfortable skating at 40 and 45 but i don't know i get like cold induced asthma it kind of bothers my lungs um and that's only gotten worse living in South Carolina. It's amazing how that line of where that starts to bother me has only moved up as I've gotten used to warm temperatures. So, wow. uh, but anyway, yeah, I mean, I, I did fine when I used to live in Colorado. Um, so uh, it's just a, ma a matter of acclimating, I think. Right. It sounds like you've lived quite a few places, so you're used to the acclimation factor. For sure. For sure. Bounced around quite a bit after college. Um, but you know, I've had, you know, um, ups and downs with the frequency of skating, but I've pretty much always skated regardless of where I've lived. So yeah, that's been a staple for me. So when was your first time on a skateboard? Gotta ask you that. Oh yeah. Um, the first skateboard I got was from my neighbor, Richard, who lived across the street. It was a Nash. It had, um, alternating blue and red wheels. Ooh. And, uh, it was a single kick, probably like maybe nine and a half or 10 inches wide. I don't think it had any concave if I remember correctly, but uh, actually I still have the deck. Um, it's part of my collection. Um, however, however, I, I repainted it many years ago. And to be honest, I kind of wish I didn't. Um, you know, I kind of wish I just left it original, but it was pretty trashed. It was falling apart. And I, you know, I peeled the grip and then sanded it down and kind of refinished it. But anyway, that was, um, Oh, I was really young. Uh, I was probably like maybe second grade time frame, and then I got, and then I got a an actual skateboard um, that was like a, a bit more usable with you know um, more conventional modern parts um, in fourth grade, and that was actually a mongoose branded deck which oh, is a bike cool. company, you know, yeah, as yeah, you yeah. know. So my mom took me to a bike shop to get my tire fixed and they had a skateboard there and I begged for a skateboard. <laughs> I mean, actually, I still remember what it looks like, but um, it got run over shortly after that. And then I got into like actual boards. Like I think after that I got a, um, it was uh, maybe an element yeah. board. And then I went from element to enjoy decks and I grew up skating, you know, in, in grade school, skating with a bunch of the local kids. Um, you know, we did flip tricks and we would go to Rampage Skate Park on Eastern Long Island on weekends. And the parents kind of 
rotated taking us to the skate park um anyway you know nice. i've been skating for a long time um and then you know so to get around town i actually got a sector nine pintail mm-hmm. i think it's like 40 something inches the most conventional sector nine pintail but we're talking maybe year 2000 2001 time frame yeah sure. Yeah, probably maybe even 99 um, but i got a sector nine pintail and I took a set of normal conventional skate trucks and I put them on the pintail and then I would skate to my friend's houses who really didn't live far away. But, um, you know, I, I put bigger wheels on those trucks and uh, and I, I would actually carry my double kick popsicle board while skating the Sector 9 pintail. And I still have that one, too. That's still <laughs> in the collection as well. So um, I've been pretty nostalgic with some of my original decks and um, and I've kept them. That one I did not paint and it's still all, it's all still all original. And it's um, I'd say it's it's got to be about, yeah, 25 years old. That's so cool. I feel like a lot of people from that time period probably have an experience like you, you explained where you go into the bike shop as a kid and you end up with a skateboard somehow. And it's like. A yep. mongoose brand, right? Like you said, like it's not a actual brand skateboard. Um, yeah, that, that's that's fun. Yeah, I, but I, you know, I remember it all really, really vividly. You know, like the that's probably one of the most or some of the most vivid memories I have of like that time frame is skating and skating with my buddies and going to get new skate shoes and like you know I really wanted the expensive. I think they were DC shoes that mm-hmm. had the zipper tongue i mean i had nothing to put in there you know but like i yeah it was just the cool factor you know and that stuff mattered you know when you were around town the gear that you had and everything i remember getting called the poser for wit um in the store we were we walked into sports authority me and my friends and we were carrying our skateboards and still wearing our helmets and like a group of kids there that were also in the store called us posers i mean i remember like the whole scene you know being really young and um and dealing uh, with all that but anyway uh yeah, good memories yeah for wearing your helmet inside the sports authority it's a crime honestly. at the time i don't know if i fully understood the the term to be honest with you i think i was really confused like what do you mean i'm i skated here you know like what, yeah. do, you, what do you mean it's so stupid what am i supposed to be skating in the store you know it's like uh i was pretty confused but i think it was just you know normal kid stuff yeah but anyway it was all great memories you know we used to try and ollie stair sets and you know it was kick flips and then it was varial flips and you know there's the natural progression that i think a lot of us went through as kids yeah you have this board collection i want to get into that but when did you find like distant skateboarding as a thing right like because I feel like a lot of people like you, right? Maybe you, you rode skateboards as a kid. You've, you know, been skateboarding. And then all of a sudden, what happened? I think um, in high school, you know, when when we all got cars, I didn't skate for a short time period there. I think I was too cool to skate around town at that time frame. And um, but when I got to college, my random roommate, who still is my good buddy, who was at Ultra Skate with me last year, you might have met him. His name oh, is cool. Doug. But anyway, um, he he was my random roommate we were into a lot of similar things skateboarding snowboarding all board sports we didn't you never would catch us watching a football game or anything like that on television we it was just not us mm-hmm. um but anyway you know we we actually he he brought a flex decks to our room and it was a little flex decks skateboard and i i wanted one like it i went and bought a sector nine double kingpin 32 
inch or 32 inch pintail again still part of the collection um <laughs> and i caught i cruised around town on that and in, in, at penn state i went to penn state and uh we had a lot of fun cruising campus and then i went home for summer and there was a trail on long island that would go to the jones beach theater and uh that was about four miles and change at the time they've extended it since it's really a fantastic trail however uh, at the time it was about four and a half miles tip to tip and so i went out there on a board and I was like, maybe I'll try and do a mile. And so like the, the ground was marked. I wasn't running any apps or anything like that. This was 2007, maybe 2008. And I was like, oh, I'm gonna try to do a mile, you know, and I and I did a mile and then I did a mile back. And then I said, oh, I'm gonna try to do two. And then it just naturally progressed. And, and uh, eventually I was doing, you know, two or three laps. And again, I thought that was insane. You know, I thought that doing, doing <laughs> yeah, nine miles though. and then doing, is. Going out and back would be, you know, round trip was nine miles. And then doing it again, I was like, oh my gosh, I just skated 18 miles, you know? And this is like 2008, 2009 yeah. timeframe. Actually, what's pretty cool is I, I started using an app called RunKeeper in 2009. And I just downloaded it recently and all of my original skates are still in there. Um, of course, now That's we all use Strava. Cool. But, but anyway, yeah, it's funny to see the old statistics and, uh, and the old mapping of all the rides. Uh, but yeah, anyway, so I started doing distance around that 2008, 2009 timeframe. Uh, my first true like distance skate, um, was I, I started on the South shore of Long Island and I went North and I, my goal was just to keep going North until I saw the water. So, you know, um, I started near the water really across the street from the bay, um, on the South shore. I wanted to skate until I saw water on the North shore and then skate back. And I had no clue where I was going. I didn't have a planned route. <laughs> I just kept stopping, you know, every mile or two just to look at a map and figure out where I was going to go. It was totally sketchy. Nice. Um, was not on like sidewalks the whole time or trails. It was like kind of skating busy roads and windy roads when you get up to the North shore, Long Island. But anyway, that was like 42 miles. And I thought that again, I thought that it was like, the craziest thing known to mankind. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, I was like, wow, coast to coast, you know, on Long Island. Coast it, to it was, coast. It was really only like 40-something miles. But anyway, yeah, so that as as I think a lot of others have mentioned on your podcast, it's just kind of like a natural progression where you you realize you're actually covering ground. You can actually do this. And then, you know, there's that there's that whole fitness side of things that that um, come along with covering miles like that. So I got hooked on the that like runner's high that you get, you know, from from covering ground and having accomplishments like that. Mm -hmm. And um, and then it's just snowballed from there. I've, I've actually been distance skating for a really long time, maybe going on about 15, 14 or 15 years now specifically distance skating but i didn't get into really um hanging out with the 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 group and um skating competitively at events until more recently so that's been a really exciting change in my 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 skating style and, and habits that's super cool you you kind of just picked up the board one day hopped on a trail and, and started riding that way which i think is really interesting because you know like i, I picked it up just by trying to ride from like place to place and then realizing I was having more fun riding between place to place. And then I would like seek out trails, you know, so start. Yeah. Like starting on a trail is, is a nice way to progress too. sounds like the 4.5 miles is a good start. Yeah. That was, for anyone. that was really the start of my like LDP focus. I mean, of course, you know, we covered some ground around Penn state me and my, my, my friend Doug. And then, you know, there was a Penn state longboard club, which is a, 
a whole topic in itself. There was a lot of uh, innovation happening. Um, you know, Austin Barnett from Buzz Trucks was my my colleague mm-hmm. uh, or my <laughs> colleague, my you know fellow student at Penn State. <laughs> Shane McCartney from you know uh, Incline Longboards was was there. We were all doing our own thing. Um, so anyway, yeah, it was uh, it was a pretty cool time. Um, but yeah, LDP really started on that trail for me, that four and a half mile trail since, um, actually very recently, Scott Ziegler has gone and skated that trail. He loved it. Um, now they extended it. You can do about 25 or I think it's about 25 miles now in one direction. So you can, you can hit that 50 mile mark coming back, uh, doing, doing round trip. And it's really incredible. It's a trail that goes right along the, um, on the left side of the trail when you're going out. The left side of the trail you have the, the bay and on the right side you have the ocean so um really beautiful venue for skating so so to circle back where is like the trailhead that people could go to oh so that's at cedar creek park on merrick road in wonton new york which is on long island and Very um, cool. uh really really a fantastic place to skate that's where it started for me that's where that that ldp bug started for me and uh and that's honestly where i started the whole like you know skating collection thing and and um it's funny to think back on what i was riding at those times so i I mentioned that 42 mile ride i was on a you remember that remember um remember the soda factory from silverfish uh yes okay so the soda factory was run by russ owen and you know um alex newton has still produced some boards more recently and, and he was of course involved then and um, there was other guys like Jeremy Roth and, and some of the other soda guys, the soda family guys that were involved. But anyway, Russ was a madman and he was really way ahead of his time. He was making all sorts of, um, of innovative shapes and concaves. And, um, you know, he did some of the first bacon concaves and he did, um, you know, he did the cleavage concave, which was like a W it was like a double W concave. Uh, it was really interesting stuff that he was doing. Anyway, um, he did also a really good job from a marketing perspective of creating this hype on the Silverfish forum. You might remember, like, Russ ended up with his own his own division, his own channel. I don't know what to call it, but his own channel of the forum because he generated so much traffic that he would shut down the whole forum. <laughs> and he did this all auction style. So he would, um, he would, you know, post a board and you'd have to be the first to email in and have the opportunity to buy it. And he did these auctions periodically. And to be honest, I think that was where the whole like kind of collection bug kind of started for me. I mean, I had already, you know, had some boards and, and multiple boards at, by that time. But, um, you know, I, I kind of just wanted to buy boards just to just to get them in yeah. the sale. You know, it was almost like a clout to, you know, I won that board and and um, and it's a one off type thing. So that's uh, a lot of my collection is original soda factory boards from like that 2010, 2011, 2012 timeframe where Russ was innovating. Um, in my last living location, I had an entire room that was just soda factory boards on the wall. <laughs> so, uh, and actually, honestly, I'm getting to similar numbers with wow. you know, some of the more modern brands like Pantheon and stuff, but uh, I, I truly appreciate the game of millimeters and the um, the amazing differences that come from all the variations and decks and styles. And, um, you know, a lot of people who don't skate might look at that stuff and say, you're crazy. You know, why would you have so many? Uh, you know, the, it's a skateboard is a skateboard. And, and of course, we all know that's the farthest thing from the truth. There's a, a true game of millimeter, millimeters that we're all playing here, trying to optimize and tune 
and um, and you know different styles. Uh, it's it's a whole rabbit hole, as you know. As I look at you with multiple boards on your wall behind you, yeah. I know you got to put them somewhere. You know, it's exactly right. You did just show me right before this uh, a, allegedly a stack of about three hundred skateboards. You said no, no, no. I, I um I'm in the triple digits. I think it's a okay. that stack is probably about eighty boards. Okay. But then I've got you know all the boards downstairs that are in the rack. Uh, you know that I skate a little bit more commonly. Um, but yeah, anyway, I think my collection is 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 either in the high 90s or low 100s by now. And, and and again, you know, it's been going for a long time, and I purchased a lot of them with the intention of not skating them. It's not like I've um, skated them all. A lot of them have been purchased just to put on the wall. I was going to ask you that, like for say Pantheon, because you ride Pantheon boards. Do you also buy one to put on the wall? Actually, yes. Um, I have a. a my modern day strategies are basically that I, two is the minimum for anything that I, I'll buy. And then it goes up from there. I mean, I have a lot of supersonics, but, you know, to give a shout out to to Jeff and this whole style here, you know, as you know, the Pantheon boards, they, they're, they're not the, the, you know, um, custom one off $500 per deck, you know, approach. It's the approach of, at least in my opinion, repeatability and quality and innovation through the design. So Jeff produces, you know, boards that are the most optimized than any of my custom made stuff. And not only that, it's repeatable, meaning I can buy three of them and have matching setups for when, you know, one gets lost when I'm traveling. And you know, that's what it's a whole side story. Um, boards get lost from the airlines, you know, but anyway, uh, you know, for just for a day or two, but you know, I'm pretty stubborn and it's like sacred skate time is sacred time. So I'm not willing to, to sacrifice those, um, those skating moments just for gear. So I, I have repetitive setups for, um, for those reasons, um, when, you know, things go down or, uh, or you want to share with somebody, you know, that's all, um, in my opinion, that's a whole benefit of Pantheon. So to your point, yes, my Pantheon collection has grown, but most of those decks I'm riding. So um, a lot of them on the wall have been written for the Pantheon side of things, or they um, they are eligible to be written. I would have no problem pulling them off the wall and skating them. Um, but anyway, I do appreciate the ability to buy, you know, three of the same deck uh, from Jeff and and have it be, you know, consistently the same and um, repeatable. Repeatability is a big part of, of what I think is critical here. I mean, you know, that's that feeling when you get a setup dialed and then I don't know if this has happened to you, but like for me, it's something so silly sometimes that throws you off. Like I'll have a setup dialed. It'll start to squeak in a pivot cup. I'll grease the pivot cup and then you reassemble it and it just doesn't feel the same. Yeah. It just like there's, you know, whether it's the grease or you didn't have the nut tightened the same or the bushing shifted or whatever. I don't know. It gets down to those like really minute feelings. And at that point, I, I you know, it's nice to have another one that's set up the way I intended for it to feel. I go skate and I come back and I'll fix the other one tomorrow. You know, I'm not willing to sacrifice those skate moments to um, to gear issues. So exactly. Anyway. Yeah, that's a uh, uh, Pantheon is a big part of the collection these days, but they're all a little different in the fact that they're all eligible to be skated. <laughs> well, I think you touched on a, a really cool thing there about dialing in like a setup, you know, and how there's all these tiny components in your skateboard that slightly affect, you know, the overall feel. And if you are dialed in, right, you've been riding the setup a certain way, it feels good for hours, right? 
sometimes tens, sometimes hundreds of hours. So maybe not hundreds, right? At that point, you probably cleaned it or changed something. But like um, you, you get the setup dialed in and like you, you can sense just those little things. And I don't know, knowing how, how to dial a setup is is a skill you have to develop as as like a distant skateboarder, right? Like Absolutely. Absolutely. And style matters a ton. You know, the, I, I, I talk to a lot of the, as you know, like a lot of us distance guys can talk about gear for days on end. We all love this stuff. And I talk to a lot of the guys um, doing a lot of miles online on Instagram and Facebook. As you know, we have a pretty tight knit community and that's one of the best parts of this whole thing. But anyway, mm-hmm. um, you know, it, there's a whole mental side to it. So I truly think that, you know, there is no one piece of best gear. Um, there's style that matters. And there's also the mental element, meaning if you skate a piece of, uh, you know, excuse me, if you skate a set of wheels and they feel slow to you, whether they're actually slow on the, the clock or not, if they feel slow to you, you're going to, you're not going to enjoy your skate. Yeah, it's, it's just, there's a whole mental side of things and a whole style side of things. So what works best for me and my style and what feels right in my head for what I think it should feel like, it might be different for you. Um, so I think that, as you said, there's a whole skill and a whole art to tuning, especially in LDP. Um, and, and, you know, this is where like having three, in my opinion, having three supersonics is totally justifiable right. uh, be, that are set up, you know, because I get used to a certain foot placement. I get used to a certain wheelbase. And then, you know, I might have one that's set up a little bit more for sprinting and one that's set up for going to the grocery store. And then one that's set up for, you know, uh, as you know, higher degree in the rear so that it's meant for more city cruising and carving, you know, and people weaving and Anyway, so um, I, I again, I repeat, I appreciate the repeatability of having those uh, those options to do that with you know simply going online and buying two or three of them as opposed to having to go and have custom boards. Which again, when they're one offs, made handmade, they, they might not even feel the same if you buy it if you don't buy it at the same time. You might buy one today, and then in six months you go back to buy a second one, and it just feels a little different. Mm-hmm. So, um, and maybe I'm crazy in this whole thing. I don't know, but. Uh, no. But I think that those small, minute differences, again, to me, it's a, it's an absolute game of millimeters. I think it all, everything makes a difference. And if you think it makes a difference, whether it doesn't or not, that matters too. Yeah. So. Yeah. The the example you gave there was kind of cool. Weaving through people and having the, changing like the rear truck. I think it's so hard to to explain how exactly that makes the board like take up a different space. I think we could plug Adam's video right now and say like, go watch that Absolutely, <laughs> because it'll <laughs> explain everything the same about thing, pumping. the center of gravity. Yep. Yep. Yeah, yep, yep, and yep, like, absolutely. Um, so Adam Ornelas has a really good video on pumping. Go check it out. It, it'll explain kind of what I'm trying to say here, which is that if you were to look at like a bird's eye view of you skateboarding, like you are able to turning versus carving. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, uh, being precise with your movements is either sometimes you want that and other times you want that more like surfy, like freeboard feel, right? Like, yeah, I meant to say turning versus pumping. Um, that that's what Adam articulates very well is, you know, like the difference in your center of gravity of turning versus pumping. And of course, uh, having a higher degree rear is a little bit more conducive to cruising, weaving, tighter turns, or, you know, that more aggressive pump, less efficient pump that he mentions in that video. Um, Where you can spin around in circles, right? Like the uh, really tight turning radius. 
Oh, well, yeah, like a surf skate style pump. That's exactly correct. When you have a higher degree rear, it's, it's, it takes a lot of energy to get that pump going. And, uh, I mean, your top speed is going to be much lower because you're deviating from straight much, much more, you know, that that's that less turny rear helps you go forward, uh, much more efficiently as you deviate less from straight. So, uh, anyway, yeah, that's a whole, the whole science of this is, is, um, is really interesting. And, and, uh, and in my opinion, it's very addicting in itself, you know, like getting that sensation, dialing that board. And, and when you when you nail it and it feels right and you actually start propelling yourself forward efficiently uh, and covering some ground, that's where, uh, you know, hopefully we can get some more people into the sport hook, line and sinker. Dude, it is so frustrating, though. Like sometimes you're you just can't get the board to do what you want it to do. And it's like you've taken you've it's not quick, right? You, you can be quick about it, but like undoing a bolt, taking out the kingpin, changing out the bushings, like that takes like so much time just to like change one little thing and then go ride it to find out like 30 seconds in. Nope, this isn't going to work. So I have some habits. Oh, you got a little tool. I'll share with you. This is a highly recommended oh, tool, yeah. a socket, extended socket with a hex to quarter inch square adapter here so you can anyway you just take a this is just something everybody should have if you're sitting there on the floor turning a, a skate tool and a screwdriver you're in ldp you're doing it wrong uh tuning tuning takes way too much time and effort that way get yourself a drill and really what you want to do is run the drill with a clutch setting so that it, sorry that might have been loud on the um on the microphone but anyway it's just, it's it's low torque so you still have to finish by hand but uh, yeah but anyway no that's a really good point really cool tip here like yeah let's let's just go over that so you have a drill and you have a socket adapt like a socket um drill bit kind of thing and some good practices to share um i don't spin from the head of the bolt i i only use a screwdriver to hold it fixed and i only spin from the nut side uh, it's, it helps to not spin your grip tape up top and chew that up. Uh, I think, uh, I guess that's really the main thing is that, you know, you're not chewing up the top of the board. I'm pretty anal about my grip tape and, and all that. So like the bolts, right? Like it doesn't get stripped. The like, yeah, exactly. The There's head no, or whatever. because I'm not, because I'm not turning it. It actually, I, I'm very, I have very uh, methodical ways here. There's a rhyme and reason for all this. I only use Phillips head hardware. A lot of guys use the you know Allen keys, so the the hex head. I get it. There's more engagement, less chance of stripping. However, when you're on the side of the road somewhere, when we're you know 30, 40 miles up on a trail, uh, it's a lot easier to find a Phillips head screwdriver on in a gas station than it is to find a hex uh, a hex head and you know that exact size. So anyway, I'm I'm all about you know. Um, that side of things. Anyway, to go back to what we were saying, yeah, I do not spin from the head. I do not strip bolts really ever. I spin just from the nut side. I'll use a tool with a clutch setting, uh, a, a deep socket so that, you know, it goes down any of the longer hardware we have to use in LDP and, um, and finish by hand. So, you know, you're not over tightening because it's a, it clutches out and stops spinning very, very low torque. So. Yeah, that's a great tip. The finish by hand is, is also key. Yeah, and on that note, uh, I mean, just to just to keep going while we talk uh, while we talk on tips here, if, when you finish by hand, finish with a straight tool. Everyone talks about snapping bolts with too much torque. Um, there's actually uh, uh, that's the whole reason why, like the G bomb tool, it doesn't have the the 
perpendicular the torque T. portion. You can you can overspin this this fine thread hardware really easily when you have you know the lateral leverage like this, a big moment arm. But if you keep it straight, you basically guarantee that you're not going to over over tighten. So a tool that is straight is um, is a great way when you finish by hand to make sure you're not over torquing your bolts and making them prone to snap when you're again 30 miles out. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, snapping bolts that's another thing that I feel like maybe is That happened at Ladiga. Yeah. Kenny, Kenny Spronzo. Shout out to Kenny. He kept snapping bolts. But did he fall? Like cuz if you snap one it's okay, but if you snap two sometimes it's it's game over. No, actually it was wild. He snapped a, he was skating an 1166. Ironically, I sold that to him years ago. Oh, sabotage. Uh, it was mine. I see. <laughs> That's pretty funny. Ironically, it was mine. And um, great, great deck. It just, you know, at the time, especially at the time, it, that zero rear was not fitting my style. Uh, he, it's, a, it's a torsion tail rear. So he... <laughs> Kenny snapped a bolt and kept pumping. I mean, we were mind blown. Oh we rolled gosh. up next to him. I think it was the end of maybe day two. And we were towards the, it was Jeff and I, we were at, the, if I'm remembering this correctly, it was day two towards the end. And we rolled up on Kenny and he was pumping and he only had one set of infinity bolts left in the rear. The other one was completely oh, gone. No. And, it, and it was flexing a ton and he just, he, he made it. I mean, you know, but then on day three, someone gave him a, an infinity bolt and then uh, it broke again. So I think it was it was just low and it was hitting things. It was it was hitting like a perpendicular load. Clark just called me. Oh, that would be hilarious if Clark just called right in. That would be fun. Um, you just gave me a really good idea, though. I'm going to I wrote this down extra hardware for Ladiga checkpoints. You never know. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, and again, this is this uh, this goes to my approach. Infinity bolts are great, uh, especially for bracket setups. Um, I would recommend using vertical methods of tightening without the big moment arm of leverage, especially on bracket decks to and, and infinity hardware to make sure that they don't snap. Um, but yeah, that that goes again to my whole method here. I, I you know regular bolts are easy to replace, um, easy to easier to find. Uh, you know, so I, I personally like the whole approach. When I ran um, on my bracket setups, I typically only run one rear infinity bolt. And I, I do that just because uh, uh, usually it's like a length thing. You know, I'm trying to run um, a specific length uh, on the inner bolt, or I'm trying to just give myself a different um, feeling underfoot. I don't want to step on. I'm trying to give myself a, a, a foot signal with a set of hardware as opposed to, you know, a flat infinity bolt. So anyway, um, I like that. Yeah. I think that there's a method to that. Yeah. The, uh, the foot signal is cool. If you're riding a bracket setup, especially because you don't want to fall off the board, but it's also kind of fun for top mounts or like this, the uh, supersonic is like, I can, I always forget the name cause I think subsonic and like, and I, like know. I know, I don't know. Supersonic. it's a supersonic though. Uh, I like having them on there too, because sometimes I'll, I'll walk on the nose a little bit, not too much, right? Absolutely. Little, yep. Little dance. Actually this, this year at ultra skate, my, I'm, I'm a regular skater. So my left foot is generally forward. Um, and this year at ultra skate, my left foot pinky toe 
had a little bit of that numb sensation mm. for a day or two. I'm sure you know it from doing endurance sports. Um, I don't know if anyway, you know, that in a pinky toe, but oh yeah, well, like it, well, so you know, if you cycle, it'll happen in your in your feet from cycling for a few days, a few hundred miles. You're, you you know, it's totally normal, especially also in cycling, it'll happen in your palms from riding, you know, um, embracing the handlebars for so long, you you just get a little bit of a nerve damage and it's not permanent. Most of the time it's not permanent, but anyway, at ultra skate on that upturn on the front, um, my pinky toe was numb from riding into that little upturn on the supersonic and I'm using it for foot signaling. So it's, it's obviously, um, you know, it's, it's, it's a tactic to know where you are on the board without looking. However, when you do it for 200 plus miles, you know, it takes a toll. <laughs> yeah. The 24 hour factor. Yeah. Every yeah. little thing. Yeah. That, that's thing. what you don't feel when you do your practice skates, you know, cause even, even half that is not going to, not going to aggravate that. But, how do you, uh, yeah. But yeah. Yeah. Practicing. Everyone always asks like, how do you train for an ultra skate? Like, do you do 24 hours somewhere else? And you definitely don't, like, I don't, I don't no. know anyone who has no. other than at another no, event, you know, the, uh, yeah, yeah, no, I agree. And that same goes for me, at least with cycling, you know, like the longest events that I've done every time I break a record for myself, it's at the event. Right. Um, so I think that's pretty normal. I mean, who has the time to skate 24 hours in practice? Um, well, we did do a, we did do, I don't think it was 12 hours, but we did do a 100 mile day at Carrier Park in Asheville. Me and a couple of the guys, Adam was there. That was January. But I think that was basically the longest training event for me. Nice. I've, I've never done, I don't think I've ever done a hundred miles in a day that wasn't ultra. Uh, 94 was like the Diga, the day three, right? Doing a hundred mile day just for the sake of it. And outside of an event, it almost feels like that would be harder than doing, you know, like 200 at ultra, right? Like there's totally a game day mentality. Yeah. And I agree. I think it, to do it on your own is, is real tough, especially with no support. You know, it's nice when you have stops um, to see guys like yourself, you know, cheering us on and, and providing food and stuff. And obviously when you're doing your own self-supported thing, there's none of that. Well, dude, you, you talked about doing that 40 mile skate, like one of your first rides and like that is brutal. Mm-hmm. 40 mile skates. Fuck. They, they suck. You know, like, <laughs> like well, especially when you don't know where you're going and you got to keep stopping. I mean, it felt like it took me forever. I think it was over four hours. So I didn't average any, uh, any record breaking speed, but uh, that, that was when I think, you know, at the time that was probably 2009 or 2010 at the time that was a lot of miles in the skate scene i don't think guys were doing yeah, hundreds no, it of miles is. Yet. it still is too, you know like, or i guess uh you know paul and those guys went across across uh that's true you know made that that video sometime around then but that was also part of my whole hook into this sport was you know seeing those rain videos that they made and i had a, i had a long treks demon seed that was one of my earlier oh, yes. keyboards the long tracks. and uh yeah that was a great Great, great time. It was, it was, dude. That was such a, the, the things they did there, those long treks on skate decks, like how, how popular it became and, and how many people I talked to who are like, oh yeah, that's what got me into this. Like, like Matthew Phillips is one of the ones I, who always talks about it and is like one of the guys I think of who wouldn't 
be he, he always comes to Ladiga, you know, he's always there. And like he probably wouldn't be there if it wasn't for that YouTube channel. Absolutely. Uh, we need more of that. I know? agree. Yeah, they, they skated across Morocco. I mean, that was all epic, especially it's still epic, but at the time it was just mind-blowingly epic that those guys went and did that. Yeah, and they were on this like shitty pavement. They were just like doing the craziest shit. It wasn't like this endurance feat or this planned out sort of even like ultra sport, like ultra running wasn't as popular as it is now. And like, we take a lot from them, you know, like back then it just wasn't a thing. I feel like, especially for skateboarding at least. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Different times. I mean, it feels like it was, uh, it doesn't feel like it was that long ago, but it, I guess it really was. I mean, you know, when did long treks on skate decks come out? 2010, 2009, 2010. I feel like it, it was 13 09. years ago. Let's see. Uh, long treks, Peru, Bolivia episode one was 13 years ago. Yeah. According to YouTube. Sounds about right. Morocco teasers 12 years ago. Yeah. So 2010, 2011, those guys were, uh, breaking boundaries. That's for sure. Skate history. It's good. It's good skate history. This is, this is the shame of losing silverfish. Right. Well, silverfish was can, an epic database. You can go. To I know. That, like back in time. time machine. Yeah. Yeah. I've done it. It's just, they don't have everything and it takes just so long for everything to load. And uh, I've done that though. I've actually gone through and, and looked at some of the, old soda factory sales threads and it's funny because i can like see some of my old comments and stuff you know it's it's funny like and then i don't know one of the benefits of facebook at least is that you can attach names to people you know sure. like people aren't going by screen names at least most people aren't hiding behind a screen name yeah. so when you show up to an event and you meet you know max and will and timmy and and all these guys who you talk to on the internet like at least you you can associate who they are silverfish was epic for many ways but um but you know it's funny to go back and look everyone's under a screen name i got no clue who half these people are yeah most of more than half i got no clue who 99 percent of them are you know <laughs> so yeah screen names were a big deal back then too you had to have a cool one it wasn't like you were going to go by yeah. your real name no and and silver on silverfish there was clout like do you remember like the uh, like like upvote like you yeah, had like a sure, score yeah. you know that you could have or it was rep that's what it was it was called rep it was like rep power and uh and if you if you weren't you know an ass you would have positive rep power if you like made an account and you were just a constant dickhead you would have negative rep and it would show red i mean it's funny it also showed you when you joined like all that stuff mattered like how long you had been around and that was the original news feed you know, yeah. so like Facebook back then didn't have a news feed where it was like a constant update of nonsense. It it was the Silverfish live feed that I would sit there and watch. And that was uh and then Tapa Talk came out. Yeah, I mean this is this is it's all funny to think back through all this. But anyway, moral of the story, it's a real shame that we lost all that skate history. There was a lot of really, really good stuff, a lot of good information. Um and just, you know, event pictures and stuff like that. A lot of that stuff was uh, was lost when we lost Silverfish. So I do want to say uh, shout out pavedwave.org real quick because they still have oh, absolutely. some stuff on there. They do have some of this some of this some of these records. And we're trying to make the Ladiga site better in that sense, where the records are, you know, all up there. I think it's important to preserve as much as we can. 
we could still talk to these people Absolutely. They're around where, you know, we could get the information directly from the source. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's, um, it's good to have a database of that stuff. I mean, for reference for other people, but also, you know, that's a big part of uh, a lot of motivation. I mean, I'm, I'm a pretty competitive person naturally. And, um, you know, I don't get me wrong. I go out and I do slow skates and I just cruise and listen to music or listen to a, you know, epic podcasts like skating in circles with Max Frank. Um, (laughs) but, uh, but I also do enjoy, you know, competing against myself and, and, and the measure against others. Uh, I didn't compete. I didn't, you know, uh, participate in this year's, um, La Tour de Longboard, but, you know, I do enjoy the in-person events and and seeing how everyone stacks up and pushing myself to continuously get better. That's all a big part of this. And, and, you know, I think just to go back to why we touched on this, I think it's important to preserve those records and, and, um, and make sure that people can review that and give themselves goals and targets to hit. And the sport's only going to continue to grow and develop and prosper. So we need to do that. We need to make sure that we're not, losing sight of uh the the start the history and um the pioneers that did it all sure yeah yeah you know take more pictures people we were we were out (laughs) west uh i was out west with uh my partner and i were out there to visit my brother and we went on a skate with like a few other people i hadn't met yet you know like so it was like oh let's take a picture pictures you know like these are like we're going to look Epic. back at this in like five years and be like, oh, remember that weekend? You know, like, and it, it's not necessarily like preserving like, oh, this guy did this incredible or this person, this per, you know, woman, man, whoever did this like incredible thing this one day. It's more so just like looking back at these photos and being like, oh, there was like, remember that day? Like we had a community together and we rode for like 14 miles or some shit. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Jog in the memory and uh, and. And remembering the finer details. I mean, it's funny. So Juan posted a, a video, a clip from Ladiga the other day. And then I started looking through my photos. And I saw that that photo from when we were sitting by the pool. And we could not, we could not <laughs> wrap our minds around how that gate locked behind us. I mean, it's kind of like, I, I think it's kind of like you had to be there moment. Yeah. But it's, um, it's hilarious to think back on. And I don't know. Those in-person events are where you get that uh, that that stuff that's just like hilarious and funny to think back on. I mean, even just to to think back a little further, a year ago, you and myself and Will and Harrison and Jeff and Adam and Jaren right. and you know the whole a whole crew of everybody was out there. Hans, a whole we had a pretty epic crew out there. Um, you know, we skated through Colorado. Uh, we did the, where did we start? I know we ended in, in Aspen. I think it's called it was, the Glenwood um, Springs, but I, I don't Glenwood know. Glenwood Springs, you're all right. All those Colorado towns sound the same. Yeah, I mean, but just people go to events and take pictures because uh, that's where the fun is at. That's where the, I mean, talking online is great. Don't get me wrong. Got a lot of good online friends here, especially in the skate scene, but skate trips are literally the best trips. They're the only ones that I, uh, I prefer the only time I really don't mind traveling much is, is really for skate trips, to be honest. On that note, uh, at ultra skate, I mean, one thing that, <laughs> one thing that's silly is I always laugh at how we're there for 24 hours. It's like the most miles anyone really does in, in, in 24 hours for the whole year. And there's like no photos ever. Yeah. I mean, at least like, like where are all the photos? We need to hire a photographer or something, but um, maybe that's not the worst idea in the world, but I, I know that that's myself and idea. some of the other guys who have done it are always like blown away. It's like a couple of days later, 
He, like, I'm not kidding you, not exaggerating. I have one photo from <laughs> <laughs> this year's Ultra Skate. One. So, um, yeah, take pictures and share them. And uh, uh, I need to get better at it myself. I bought a 360 camera and I'll definitely be using it more. So, yeah. And yeah, exactly. It's about holding yourself accountable to and stuff like that. There's a really good, like, that uh, the push is what it's called. It's on YouTube. It's about. Andy and Eric hitting the 300 mark, you know, that's an, ex mm -hmm. that's an exceptional ultra skate video. Like we should have one of those every year though. Like, and I'm not putting this on the organizers. Like they do enough as it is. It's kind of on us as I agree. I agree. Yep. People going to the event to, to make that happen. So. Yeah, I agree. I, there there's, they got plenty on their plate, but I definitely intend to at least try to invite it. Uh, either hire one or at least invite a friend who's willing to take photos for everyone, you know, and share them. doesn't need to be edited raw photos, but uh, I think that also helps grow the, the event. You know, mm -hmm. um, I think we lack a little bit of media that comes out of it. And uh, in total, I know there are videos and stuff that surface and other people have done better at this than myself, but selfishly, I mean, like I look around and I'm like, I got no pictures from the event. I barely yeah. I have one photo from when I was there. But anyway, yeah, uh, I think that that also helps, you know, on social media to draw attention to the event and get more people involved. Um, and that also goes for not only just skater, skateboarders, but also for inline skaters. I mean, it's pretty cool to see those people crushing it there at Ultra Skate. And, yeah. uh, and it would be cool to for that side to grow, too. So welcome, everybody, to Ultra Skate. Yeah, yeah, it's such a fun... You, you, you mentioned this in a way, right, by saying no one takes pictures, but it's really it kind of goes deeper than that where you're there and you're on this vacation in Miami and so much of your vacation in Miami is taken up one by riding the skateboard 24 hours and then sleeping before and after and just recovering after. Right. And like preparing before it's like, I didn't really do much of a vacation. Skatecation. Sure. Yeah. I had a great time. Yeah. But like it's over and done with so quick like it, it, it kind of blows your mind. And and before you know, it, you didn't take any photos. To be honest, you know, it's, it's also a symptom of the fact that we're all, as you said, preoccupied and, um, and you know, everyone's just trying to survive in that event. Yeah. No one gives a shit about photos and videos <laughs> when you are in, when you are just grinding away and you are just, you know, you know, that mental game, every single time you come around turn four, it's like, do I, do I get off and take a break? Do I get off? You know, every single time you have that mental dilemma, uh, no one is concerned about how you look and you probably don't look so great. So, um, anyway, yeah, I mean that, that's some of it too. <laughs> I remember I, I came over the, uh, I came through a lap and, uh, I must have just had the worst face on. I felt like my face looked awful. I was just like, you know, like <laughs> frowning and like probably pale from from the and with the lights coming down, you just look even worse. And Andy just yeah. starts laughing at me. I'm just like, fuck you, dude. Like you're in yeah. so much pain. You're like, you can't even laugh at yourself, like let alone bust out a camera and start filming, you know? Yeah, like, exactly. Exactly. I actually I, I had my 360 camera at this year's ultra skate and if you the, ironically the one photo that i have i'm actually holding the camera <laughs> i am not recording at that moment but i am holding the camera i held it for maybe the first like 30 or 40 miles and then i i ditched it it was i just did again you know you're in survival mode 
no one gives a shit about holding a camera or filming. I have a a little clip that I that's on my Instagram from when we were all feeling fresh and the sun is coming up right around like the middle of between turn three and no, excuse me, turn two and turn three. And you're on that straightaway on the backside straightaway, the sun is like coming up. Uh, it's it's on, you know, the start of the, the day one morning. And, uh, and it, it, I mean, that came out good, but then other than that, like who gives a shit, you're just in survival mode. I just need to get around the track one more time. At least that's the, the, the goal of every single lap is just one more all you got to worry about because if you worry about a hundred more you're gonna freak out but anyway uh yeah i definitely need to do better take more pictures yeah and you know like i've said it before myself like oh this is the year i'm gonna bring my camera and make sure i do this and the same exact thing happens exactly what you said you just get in this mindset where you're like i need to survive the rate I need to, I need to skate. Like I, I can't worry about that right now. And you're like pissed at your Correct. inside yep. self for even yep. mentioning it, you know, like, yeah. Same thing happened at Ladiga this year. I had a camera with me on day one and day one was, uh, was great. Um, for me this year at, at day two at Ladiga, I started rough. I had a really, really tight, um, tight right leg. My hamstring was like in a freaking knot at the start of day two, which was a terrible way to start mentally and physically. Um, but anyway, you know, I guess it's evident in, in my filming because, uh, I filmed a bit in day one and day two and day three camera. It was just like, who gives a shit? I'm not, I'm not concerned at all about filming. It's just get to the finish line. So. Yeah. Even like, even something you look at Ladiga and you're like, oh, well, maybe you've done more mileage or maybe you've done it before. And it's like, oh, this is this year I'll film, you know, like I've done it before. I'll film this year. And nope, doesn't work that way. It's no, it, ne it never no. gets easier. It just never gets easier. Like, it's not the way it works in your head. It might be. And that's like uh, like a, maybe a symptom of optimism is like thinking back to only the good times of the event and not like trying to focus on that roller coaster of emotion. Um at least for me, that's how it is. Like when I think back to ultra, I think back to like how much fun I had at the end of it, where it was like finishing. And that last hour where like, at least for me, like you get that little bit of last hurrah, yeah. uh, that last um, energy bit and you can, you know, truck through the end and finish strong. Like that's what I remember. I don't really think to think back to the like 2 PM, <laughs> heat you know and and trying to survive that so. absolutely i i do think though like so i was listening to a uh, or i was watching a ultra marathon runner youtube video this is my new thing i love watching the there's really good youtube content for ultra running and like these people have the same mindset as you know distant skateboarders right and this one guy was saying the highs you feel in an ultra event are amazing like when you're out there and you feel good you feel incredible you know but the lows are the same thing but on the opposite same side magnitude of the correct same magnitude yep. it's just like a, a sine wave you know like yeah and absolutely it's all about like knowing that's gonna happen and also like capitalizing on when you feel good right like this one guy from from france panta who comes to a lot of a lot of ultra events has said to me once while at ultra skate he said you're gonna feel good you're gonna feel bad but either way it's not gonna last long and i think i think about that all the time dude like it's just that's it right there it's it's not you're never gonna have an amazing day but if you're ready to feel like shit you 
might have an easier time. It may be not easier, but you're preparing is helpful. Yeah, there's. A, I agree with you 100. percent And I think Panta has provided some great advice for for myself to noodle on as well while you're in that shitty spot of like, why am I doing this? Um, but I mean, because you know that's just natural. I think uh, anyone who says they don't have that thought is lying. Um, at some point, you will be like, why the hell did I choose to do this? You know. But anyway, I agree. And um, and overcoming that is is where the like major addiction comes in for me. Yes. You know riding that roller coaster of emotion and it's also interesting like what makes you feel good like uh and just like distraction at least for me is huge and a couple of like you know one line it sounds corny but like one liners of motivation kind of help you know like like you mentioned what you say to yourself from panta i have those two where i say to myself like you know at the end of the day you're going to look back and wish that you pushed harder you know like you will always look back and say like you little bitch, at least for me, it's like, <laughs> why did you stop? You know, like, yeah. why, did, why didn't you keep going when you're at 90 miles? Why didn't you do another 10 to get to a hundred? Because to get to that spot where it's only 10 more to a hundred takes another 90. So like I I'm p- constantly playing those mental games and trying to push myself and, um, and, and that's great. You know, say, reminding yourself that it does not, it does not last long in either way is, is very important. Um, also, you know, the other side of that, as I mentioned, is distraction. Um, I, my ultra skate, uh, 22, Jeff and I spent like a really long time. Maybe it was like two or three hours just shooting the shit and doing laps. It was right as the storm hit at the end of the day. And it was like that fiery sky. Oh, There's actually was a picture amazing. of Jeff and I like loaded to has a picture of Jeff and I skate. Like we were going into turn one out of the pits and that fiery sky was coming over the bleachers. Um, anyway, like we, we rode, we like rode for a good bit together and kind of at the end of it, like at the end of the conversation, like looked at the, and we were like, Holy shit. Like that was awesome. Hmm. So, um, again, that camaraderie, like, you know, skating with people and, and, uh, and not being by yourself. That's like a, an awesome an awesome thing also music yeah having a good playlist i mean gosh you can have a good song and for for just the duration of that song you feel good and then as soon as it goes into the next song that doesn't give you that same vibe it's like shit and you're back down into like the shithole of feeling awful again you know straight up so yeah but that's where the mental thing comes in you know like uh, and that that goes back to the gear topic if you think you you feel slow, whether you are or not, you're going to not enjoy your time. If you think it doesn't feel right, it's going to bother you. Um, that stuff all builds over time, especially in the endurance events. At least for me, it all gets in my head. So whether it's actually slow or not, it is irrelevant, to be honest, at some point, because it's in your head. So, Yeah. I think you touched on a really cool thing there with, with the whole addiction factor. Where it's like, and I'm gonna gonna quote another another person from my past, Coach Dunn from high school. She uh, <laughs> once told us she was my health teacher this year. She was like, you know, she was really like endurancey person. It's like, you know, if you're out there and you hate what you're doing, if you go just a little bit farther, you're never gonna be able to stop what you're doing. Like you're gonna be addicted at that point. Like that's how and that's how endurance sports work. Like you put yourself to a certain point. And then you go farther and then all of a sudden you, you are addicted. And I, I think that's just all part of it, right? Like, so, And I think that that trickles into so many other parts of life. Like you have to challenge yourself by choice. 
Um, mm, I think that there's a whole like mental that. health element to that. And uh, I mean, the physical side, come on, it goes without saying, we're talking about skating hundreds of miles. We don't even need to talk about the physical requirements. It goes without saying that you have to have some level of um, physical fitness and dedication to physical fitness and nutrition to be able to do any feat like that. However, the mental side of things is, um, is I don't want to say it's overlooked because I think we all get it, but, um, but yeah, really, really important. And, and it goes into the other parts of life. So, you know, it, it, um, I think that, that, uh, that in your career and in your general practices of how you go about your day, I think that's all just really healthy challenge yourself and set goals that are attainable and have a timeline and events definitely do that by default whether you're an ultra runner or a, or we have an OBP event or a charity bike ride or whatever it is um you know knowing you have an upcoming task and and uh executing to accomplish it and then actually achieving it uh extremely healthy physically and mentally, mentally in my opinion really yeah. important and like, wh while we're on that, you know, you kind of mentioned, right, when you're out there and you're like, oh, I should just go 10 more miles. Like, you kind of made it sound like you're hard on yourself, right? Which I think can be good, right? But there's an unhealthy side to that, too, where it's like, don't be too hard on yourself. You know what I mean? Like, if you want something bad enough, you'll get there, right? Like, just keep pushing, keep doing, trust the yes. process. You will get there. But like, you know recognize your progress right that's a big thing right where it's like you may not have reached your goal but look how far you've come like look what you've learned even if you've totally bonked like at least you know more now right well it's all relative absolutely correct there's value in failure um you've learned your your you've learned a limit and it's not the limit it's not the defined limit it is a limit you've learned your next hurdle to overcome um you've learned what doesn't work uh, maybe it's from a nutrition standpoint. I'm a cramper, so I get it. Um, I, that's my biggest issue always Same. is cramping. Same. Um, so that's a, that's nutrition, straight up nutrition. Um, as you're saying, you know, yeah, realizing your limits and, and understanding that uh, there's total value in that. But also, you know, just, yes, pushing yourself is critical mentally and physically, but also listening to your body that's to dial it back, uh, knowing when not to, you know, when you can keep pushing, um, a lot of that is heat related for me down here in South Carolina. Um, so, you know, I, I might be able to do my 20 mile skate with no problem, um, you know, six out of seven days of the week, but that seventh day, it might be 110 degrees outside. And I have to realize to, you know, dial it back. It's also, um, again, value in that just for learning, you know, the event side of it is, you know, when, when to, um, when to, to control it and dial it back and, um, and change things. So all of that is, is really important. And, and that's a testament, like what you were saying, you know, not doing too much at one time. This is a lifestyle. This is not a, an action. And that's where continuous events come in. I talked about like setting a goal. And then it, a lot of times what happens is, and this is, this is natural, what happens is you set that goal for an event, you accomplish your goal, you achieve the, you know, the, the, the task that you have put forth. And then after the event, you, you like, what do I do now? Yeah. Yeah. You know what, what you Very lose common. that next goal. It's like, you know, so that's the next few weeks you kind of flounder and you don't have your routine or you don't train as hard in the gym or your nutrition drops. Um, all that I think is normal and, and mastering the ebb and flow is, is where the, um, is where wisdom comes in. That's a lot of times why uh, these endurance sports are, are dominated by older people. However, you get guys like Adam who just totally break the mold, but it's that mental game. That mental game is strong. Mental, mental part is huge for sure.
Yeah. And that overlap, the overlapping part of um, mental and physical, I think is, is a really unique part of ultra skate. Like you're, you're, you are in a constant battle of mental versus physical and sometimes mental and physical versus your goal. So like, you know, you, your body is telling you, you, your body might be able to keep going, but your mind is telling you stop, 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 stop. And then you, you have to break through that and you keep going. Your body is doing fine. You might feel good for a little bit. And then your brain is telling you, what are you doing? This is wrong. Stop, 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 you know, go to sleep. Anyway, that whole mental versus physical thing. That's, I think ultra skaters are unique in that sense where, uh, where we, we learn how to deal with that. The whole concept is like, you're given 24 hours. It's not, oh, hey, complete this distance. You're done when you're done. You know, you're done when you get there. It's, you have this amount of time. It's so different than like a set distance race because you're, you're racing against your own ability to keep going, right? Like, and it just fucks with your head, dude. Like it's so hard to, to prepare for and just know, you know, exactly how to handle things. Total head game for sure. And, uh, I mean, you know, you, your, your setup is important and make sure, making sure you have something you're comfortable on and the efficiency is all, all is important, but the mental game is almost more important. Yeah. Uh, at least for me, you know, I think one thing that's interesting is 2022 ultra skate. I started on a board that I had basically built for ultra skate and I did not train much on it. Mm. And from a weight perspective, from like, you know, an, an ability perspective, it was a hybrid push pumper. It was, it was pumpable. It was, it was, I don't know if I want to say, no, it wasn't lower than my other one, but moral of the story here is I actually built a board that on paper would be better for, for ultra skate and 30 miles in I switched because it was just in my head. I, it was not what I spent time on for training. I went back to what I had spent time on for training. And even though that was a, over a pound heavier and on paper, it was a much worse choice. That was where I felt comfortable. All that stuff gets in your head and it matters for 24 hours. Yeah. <laughs> I've done that same exact thing. And I, I didn't learn my lesson the first time of like, oh, here's a new setup. I'm going to ride it at ultra skate. Like I did that once and I was like, oh, this isn't good. Like, I don't know. <laughs> like, what am I riding? And then I did it again and I was like, oh, I fucked up again. Like, <laughs> and whatever is you're most comfortable with is the best setup, you know? Yeah. The best year I, I had was when I trained for, and you know, like we talk about physical, it's still very important, but mental is better is bigger. But like training, if you go to ultra skate and you've trained for months and months, your mental game is going to be better because of that. So Absolutely. Like everything Correct. is, re you know, relatable to each other, right? Like one thing that we, we have to touch on if we talk about training for ultra skate that, <laughs> so I live in South Carolina and I've been here for, for seven, just over seven or eight, seven years now, almost eight years. Anyway, um, I'm used to the heat. I enjoy the heat. I like the heat. And, uh, and I trained, I had my heart rates dialed. I knew which pace I wanted to hold. I had my zones all figured out. I have my nutrition dialed, you know, nutrition is a whole rabbit hole in itself of figuring out what works. Again, that's super personal. Yeah. That's even more personal than, you know, what you think from a skateboarding equipment perspective feels right and all that. But anyway, um, I had all of that. So I thought so freaking dialed, you know, I was, 
like just so uh, I thought so on point. And then you get to Miami and you are riding in this frying pan of the track. I mean, that's how it feels. You feel like you are a piece of bacon out there sizzling and all of that. My heart rates, my nutrition, my, my plan, everything was gone by like 10 a.m. It was like I was completely out of my element. My heart rate was way, way higher than I, than I anticipated. I was aiming to maintain like a one between 130 and 140 heart rate for as long as I can. And I was in the 150s and 160s just from the heat. So then I'd get off the track and I'd be sitting in a chair and I would watch my heart rate not drop, you know, like my heart rate was just staying high. And then that gets in your head. And then, you know, I was saying to myself at 11 a.m., how am I going to do this for all these hours when my heart rate is this much higher than I thought? So uh, the plan was almost to my detriment at that point because I realized how far off I was from what I thought. So anyway, it's just so interesting. Um, Ultra skate is, uh, is, is, it'll throw you for a loop. Unless you live in Miami and you understand the heat, that will absolutely throw you for a loop, even coming from South Carolina. Yeah. And I mean, well, one of the things, especially with heart rate that I notice at Miami is, is it's like 25, you know, higher than you're normally, than you're like, you're kind of yeah, like what exactly. you just said. And, but then it, at night it really drops. Like it really is yep. just the sun. So like, if you can figure it out, through the sun or what I did one year is I took, I straight up just took the afternoon off, dude. And then it was the year with the fiery sunset that you just mentioned. And yeah. I went out right when the storm hit, I was like, Oh, it's cooling down. Like I'm just going to keep skating. And then I skated the rest yeah. of the thing, you know, and it was fine. I think it's good to to have that information ahead of time and be like, Oh, 160 is way too high for me. Like I need to either do something about this or accept the fact that I'm going to be this, working this hard for all day until the sun drops at least and like kind of make a plan. And then at that point, I'm questioning if I can even do that, yeah. you know, and that's, this is where, you know, you can't train for ultra skate, especially your first year. It takes a year at ultra skate just to figure it out, just to understand what the task is asking of you. <laughs> and then after that, you can start to do really well. And then of course, again, you get guys like Adam who break the mold and do 290 miles in their first year. But we're not, you know, we're, we'll just set him in his own little yeah, you yeah. Know, corner over there. And then the rest <laughs> of the, the commoners can, can you know, can uh, can strategize for, for ourselves. But anyway, uh, yeah, totally a wild experience. And, and, um, and again, addicting. Somehow, you just keep coming back for more. You just want to keep, just want to keep coming back. And we say like, oh, you go to your first one and then the next one, you know, you'll know more. But it, it does not get easier. Like... That you yeah. know more about the task, but the task itself is still just as Correct. difficult. Correct. Right. You just the only thing you can do is is change your approach. The <laughs> task hasn't changed, and the weather, of course, is always a variable. You oh, know, you gotta love that. Uh, you gotta love that. You never one know. one thing that I did that really helped was take a shower in the middle of ultra skate. Yes. Mm. So uh, my buddy Doug and I was last year. Wasn't this year? It was twenty two. Doug and I rented a small camper yeah actually it was so perfect just to like elaborate on how perfect this was we rented it from from a person it wasn't like a it was from like a 
one of like a website, like a where you you know like a lease share type thing, but it was for RVs, so it didn't go through like a major company. It was just some person who had an RV they were willing to rent. We picked it up like seven miles from the track. Wow! We drove it seven miles to the track. We parked it there the entire weekend, and then drove it seven miles back. We put like total of fifteen miles on it. It was well worth every penny. And then we had a, an air conditioned room basically to go hang out in. And then there was also a shower. I mean, the shower, again, back to the mental side of things, was game changing. You know, after it rained, I was like covered in sand and mud and that shit sprays all up your legs. And, you know, and then you're some that was at four o'clock or five o'clock on, uh, you know, the first day. So you're expected to go for, you know, 15 hours after that. So, um, you know, or more depending on when exactly that storm was, but anyway, so it was like, I'm not, I got sand in my shoes. My socks are wet. My shoes are wet. I went to that RV. I took a shower, changed my socks, changed my shoes. I came back like a different person, you know? And, uh, I think that (laughs) little strategies like that definitely help. Um, I I think that's, I didn't do that this particularly this past year, this past February. And, uh, and I definitely missed that. It was nice to get all that shit off of you and start fresh with a fresh pair of underwear, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That same year was, was the year, um, you know, I took that break and I would use someone's RV. It was Chris Lauder, who is a mm-hmm. support boss. He's always at ultra skate. He's always there holding down a tent. He brought an RV this year and was like, yo, just go chill in the AC. And that is such a, it's such a game change. Like I'm there sitting on the side of the track in the shade thinking like, oh, this is the shade. I'm, I'm the coolest I'm going to be. And everyone's like, you should go in the air conditioning. Like, like, fine, I'll do it. And then I do it. It's totally game changing. Aaron's in there just passed out. I'm like, oh, this is where everyone's hanging out. Like, so this is, this is what's happening. Yeah. Ate some candy, took a little nap. Yeah. I'm going to try to do that again this year. Get an RV from somewhere local. Uh, I mean, it was worth every, every bit. It was worth every penny. So, uh, definitely, definitely the move, you know, it's kind of funny. I went backwards. I did that my first year and then did not do that my second year. So, uh, hopefully I'll execute it on the third. It always looks so appealing to like do an ultra skate where you don't focus on skating and you just focus on like hanging out at ultra but like you can't do that like you get there and you're like oh i'm gonna skate like there's no way i've even thought like correct at ultra skate multiple years i'm like oh i'm doing a team next year no way i'm doing this solo again and then yeah not like eight hours after i wake up from the next day i'm like oh i gotta do solo again like it's just yeah you can't get away you can't get away it's impossible there's there's an attraction to like having more fun and still being there but again, in the end, you know, uh, being optimistic and just, you know, and as a general personality trait, I think it's easy to look back and only remember the good stuff. Yeah. You think back, you don't think back to the moments uh, or the extreme lows, you think back to the extreme highs. And uh, I agree with you. You know, you ask me to join a team at the end of Ultra Skate, like, you know, 20 minutes after, and I'm probably going to be like, that sounds freaking awesome. Yeah. But, you wait, wait till the next day of recovery. And it's like, no, I'm going to do that again. I'm, I'm, I'm definitely, definitely doing that again. Yeah. Yeah. So, the race against yourself. One thing we should do for ultra skate. And this is a great idea that that is, I think we should definitely propagate here is name tags. 
Um, oh yeah. I think it would be really cool on your bib to have your name and we, we, it could just be a blank bib and we just write our names on it. Yeah. So, you know, not any extra planning burden, but, uh, I do a cycling event to raise money for Alzheimer's every year. It's a three day bike ride across the state of South Carolina. Oh, nice. Um, and one of the cool things is that everybody gets a bib with your name on it. So you're like riding in a pack or you roll up on a new pack and you know, a lot of it is communicative on the street, you know, for the cycling because you're on the roadway, but it, it'll be like, you know, hey, Max, I'm rolling up behind you. You know, like you can actually say somebody's name as opposed to like, hey, dude, passing on your left. It's just like, and again, you know, when you're skating with friends and there's a little bit of camaraderie, like, you know, even if you don't know somebody great, it all just helps your mental game. So I don't know. I think it'd be cool to like roll up on somebody at ultra skate again you know there's also people that i talk to on the internet who i didn't even realize that i was talking to in person at ultra skate and then it's like oh wait we know each other or i know you we've been facebook friends for years and i just didn't put the face together with the name but if someone was wearing a name tag on their bib i'd know exactly who everybody was i don't know i think it's a cool idea i love that idea of rolling up on a group that you don't know and just knowing everyone's name like being able to address yeah. someone by their name it's just one of those really subtle things that like it makes it like easy to to like befriend someone, you know, and like you, you kind of move up a level in the relationship, even if you never met them before. You know their name. It's a great way to put it. It's just easier to befriend somebody like you guys are both. You can look at somebody and know their name. And, uh, you know, a lot of times, too, you're wearing a helmet and sunglasses and someone might not look exactly the same, you know, or you might not realize who it is when you're rolling up behind them. Um, so anyway, it's just nice to, to, I think to have names out there. Uh, I think we would all, we would all make some extra friends if we all knew each other's names. If they don't have room for the bib, maybe it's worth like just printing out a bunch of name tags that people could easily stick on their shirt or something. I don't know. Yeah. We all have numbers, right? So, I mean, I don't, I don't, I think we could just bring a freaking Sharpie and write your name on the side of it. I don't know. We'll have to see. It's like, I don't, again, the, the planners and organizers have like a freaking full plate of shit to deal with. So yeah, that is just not coordinating like a number to a specific name instead of just like rolling them out in order of arrival and check-in like might, might be a lot of, a lot of a burden. But, um, anyway, maybe it's just as simple as a Sharpie, right? Write your freaking name, you know, <laughs> I'll do it this year. I'll make sure I start the trend. I'll write my name at the very I'll least. I'll do it with you. I'll, uh, How about that? There's All right, two. sounds great. Two people, people will names. people will remember this conversation and <laughs> yeah. shout out the podcast as yeah, well. Put your name on your bib this year at Ultrascape. We're starting a thing. That's right. That's right. We're gonna start it. Um, yeah, it's cool. um, it's awesome. Yeah. So there's one thing I kind of wanted to talk about today that uh, would be really cool. I think just to get out there because it's coming up this fall and it's already had it's already gone on one time and that's the skate camp i believe is what it's called going on oh yeah oh yeah i'm so glad you brought that up yeah what is what is the story there can you break it down because you've been and I, it's scott ziegler is the one oh, yeah. who's running it so yeah so this is actually a really cool little brief story here so last year skate camp shout out to scott ziegler scott has done a fantastic job and to be honest um i would go to pretty much any event scott plans it's kind of like you tell me when and where if i can make it i'll be there um with no worries because I, I think he's just got the right approach but anyway um uh it was an awesome event and last year what happened was there was a storm there was a hurricane that rolled through um 
we were supposed to camp at Lake Monroe Park in Florida, and we had everything booked. And there was uh, some, I believe there was, oh yeah, that's what happened. There was a storm and it was, it was taking place in November. There was a storm in October and they had closed the park due to the storm, due to flooding. And there's a boat ramp in the park and, uh, and uh, some other elements, but we had already booked the, the event months in advance. Scott was awesome, got in touch with the park director and they said that they would allow us to, um, to, you know, regardless of the rest of the park status, they would allow the event to take place and they would allow for us to camp out at the park. Great. So everything's in line. And I had personally coordinated with Timmy P who lives in Charlotte with about an hour and a half North of me here in Greenville, Timmy P and I were going to drive down. I had actually rented a car and we were going to meet up, drive down and, you know, have an awesome weekend skating. Well, so then another storm rolls through Florida, the days leading up to like, we're talking like two days before the event, there's another storm in Florida and Lake Monroe park says, we're not gonna, you know, we can't, we can't allow anybody into the park. The park's closed. So we lost that campsite. Timmy P and I looked at the calendar and the, and the weather. And we were like, there's pretty much no way we're going to take a, a drive down to florida in this shit storm that's approaching sure. and even if we did the event's probably going to be canceled or the event's going to be like you know swimming through a freaking lake while you're trying to skate you know so we were like whatever we kind of brushed it off so timmy p and i canceled our plans we canceled the i canceled the rental car as of as of friday morning when we were you know heading down for the event start we were supposed to be heading down uh we weren't going it was canceled uh, for us at least well the florida guys ended up you know we have all had a, a whatsapp chat and the florida guys ended up saying we're doing the event scott again kudos to scott found a, an alternative campsite for everybody to go to now granted this was not the ritz of campsites um this was a bit rough even as a campsite goes however doable grass all good um so a bunch of the guys showed up Oh, excuse me, I'm, I, I skipped a whole step here. So Scott, you know, confirms the events going on. Timmy P messages me at like, I think it was like four o'clock on Friday <laughs> and was like, do you want to go? And I was like, you can't ask me that. Of course I want to go, you know? And so we got in the car and we just left. Like we, we grabbed all of our shit and I still had a stack of stuff by the door because I had like, you know, camping stuff that I had prepared and put by the door. And so anyway, Timmy P and I decided to go down. We met up at like maybe seven o'clock. By the time we got we, we got our stuff met up, um, we met at maybe like seven o'clock. I left my car at one of his friend's houses and some, I mean, it wasn't in Charlotte. It wasn't in Greenville. I don't remember where the hell it was. But anyway, it was... Uh, Oh, it was Columbia, Columbia, South Carolina. Timmy P had a random friend. This guy was, you know, I'll do anything for Timmy P. No problem. You can leave your car here, you know, and you know, Timmy so P, Delphi, so you get it, yeah, you know? He's and definitely so, got a few friends. Like yeah, that. yeah, yeah. So, so I leave my, my car at this random guy's house and, uh, and then Timmy P and I get in his truck and we drive down. We end up getting down to Florida at like three in the morning, two in the morning. And we didn't want to roll through the campsite at two in the morning with his diesel truck. So we just stopped at a rest stop off the side of the interstate 10 minutes away. And we slept for a few hours. I mean, I slept, I don't think Timmy P slept, but, um, a poor guy, I think he was listening to me snoring probably, but anyway, um, uh, we, we slept in the car and his, in his truck for a couple hours. And then we, you know, 6am we, we brushed our teeth and then we went to, you know, to the, uh, to the campsite. We met up with everybody. They had already had a, a, um, a, 
skate on the Friday night before when we had, you know, um, decided to come up and, and we were driving. So we missed that, but no worries. Uh, Saturday and Sunday were awesome. So get to get to the, the event specifics. Um, basically it's kind of just like, uh, you know, it, it was as good as it gets. It was, um, a weekend of some really cool people, great food. Scott had it catered. Um, cool. the trail was fantastic. Uh, it, you know, Florida does a great job of having really smooth pavement and it's all flat. So, you know, uh, skating in South Carolina here with some Hills, it was really interesting and in how it feels to just be on a totally flat surface. Um, some of the trail was flooded last year. I don't think we're, hopefully we don't have that issue this year, but, um, even through all of that and all that, you know, kind of uh, last minute chaos of changing plans, the event was fantastic. Um, we did a 50 mile skate on Saturday nice. and then we did a, I think it was like maybe 30 or 40 on Sunday. It started raining. Mark Harris came on Sunday and skated with us. I mean, it was a great crew. Zach George was there. Um, Titus was there. Corey was there. Timmy P was there. Marty Evans was there. That's a crew. Uh, I mean, we had a hell of a crew. Yeah, we, Juan was there. Ariel was oh, there. Oh, really? I mean, it was like it was like uh, it, it was. It was honestly, it was it was freaking awesome. Um, the the Florida guys are are a, an awesome group to skate with, and um, I can't recommend that event enough. Not only is it great skating, but you know we had um, again Scott catered. We had a a fire and um you know just hanging out shooting the shit at the campsite was just uh was perfect it was like a weekend where i got back and was like well back to reality that was freaking too good to be true yeah. and now you know now i got no i gotta find another event to look forward yeah. to again you know you get over that that next day after the event sometimes it's like well now what Bounce um, from but anyway yeah that, that's a really great event Regardless of your skill level, regardless of your speed, um, I think skate camp is an event that everyone should really try to go to. It's just pure fun. Um, now, also this year, I think Scott has incorporated a, a marathon race type thing. So, you know, if you want to come and actually race, there should be a little bit of that this year too. However, last year we were not racing. We just had a blast skating. It was just a fun skate. Um, Such the plan an underrated was, thing. Like getting together with a group and just riding. I've, it like, was great. It's it so was, much fun. Uh, so much fun. It was really just, just one of those weekends. It was like, you know, like our trip to Colorado where you just look back exactly. and like, there was no drama. There was no, no injuries. There was no nonsense. It was just like a fantastic time. I mean, we had barbecue food. That was fantastic. After the, uh, after the ride, we all got hungry Howie's and we all still talk about like hungry Howie's is not anything stellar. It's not like it's like the best food ever, but when you're so freaking hungry, it is like the best food yeah. ever. Yeah. So, uh, That's anyway, awesome. yeah, we're all looking forward to that. Um, I think this year's campsite will, you know, as planned, assuming we don't have a storm that rolls through two days before, uh, it should be, you know, much more um, welcoming. I think that's probably a good word based on what I, I, you know, when I talk to Scott, it sounds like there are some showers there and there's an actual bathroom with plumbing and, um, you know, some of the luxuries we didn't have in the makeshift, you know, last minute campsite last year. But, um, but yeah, great time. Great event. Shout out to Scott Ziegler for doing a great job, not only with the IDSA, but also with planning events like that. And uh, uh, I'd, I'd highly recommend anybody and everybody to try to show up there. It's just a, a great time and 
look forward to skating with everybody. Can't wait. Yeah. Are you so going? Cool. I won't be going. Uh, I won't be able to make it, but it sounds like so I just want to, I just want to protest that a little bit and say that's a bunch of bullshit, but <laughs> continue. It's in November, right? So yeah, I think I'm, it's doing, I'm doing, uh, the Philly race in three weeks. I have a wedding to go to. So like, I, oh, I, you said this on the last podcast. I remember yeah, you were saying so that you had a lot going on. I do have, I do have a little bit going on. I'm going to India in December. So like, I wasn't ready to plan a trip down to Florida, but I don't know. You kind of called me out there. So we'll see what I can well, do. <laughs> <laughs> I think that'll be my, my first trip uh, out of my, out of Ohio. I think that'll be my first trip out to go skate. We'll be skate camp. And, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, if you could go or your brother and both you guys, the the whoever else, yeah. it's just so much fun. That's a great event. But of course, you know, life happens. You miss this year, you come next year. That sounds super ideal for an event. Like it appeals to everyone. Like if you were really gunning and you wanted to like set a personal record, it sounds like a great trail to like go try and like record a Strava segment or something or like record, you know, your fastest mile or something like, or you can just ride with the group and like do a little bit of both even. And then sounds like there's an actual race too. So. I mean, and, and couple all of that with just like fun camping, good food. Like it's, and none of it is, um, none of it is like super expensive. I mean, we're not staying, you know, it, no one's paying hundreds and hundreds of dollars here. This is like a really doable, in my opinion, a really doable attainable trip. So also it's November. So like that's on the tail end of, of all of us. Uh, I say us now that I'm going back North, Yeah. all of us Northern people in the Northern side of the country, it's like, you know, that's when it's starting to get cold. So keep your feet wet and, and keep skating. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I know that that'll probably be pretty cold where I will be. So that'll suck. But, uh, but yeah, skate camp is, is, um, is really, really a good time. I can't say, I can't speak highly enough about it. That was a really a great, one of my yeah. favorite it trips. sounds like a good old fashioned good time. You know, it's got all these nice outdoorsy elements and you're hanging out with friends, you get to camp. It's just like, you know, you don't, you don't need all this tech to have a good time, yeah. right? Like it's like, yeah, grab your skateboard. I mean, it was, it was really similar to, you know, our weekend in Colorado. It just was camping instead. So pure. Yeah. Skate events are, are as I said before, they really are like my favorite trips there um you know it takes out that whole question element like when you travel somewhere with like you know your other friends and, and obviously we all have other friends that don't skate yeah um and that's great but like when you travel to places with family and friends there's always that element of like what are we going to do yes what is the entertainment but like when you have a skate trip there's none of that because yeah. the 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 task of what you're doing is pretty freaking obvious yeah. you know you're there to skate and so even in the downtime you find yourself with like-minded people you know so uh it's just i don't know skate trips are just really really uh really addicting and, and in my opinion it's the best way to travel is with a board yeah such a funny thing yeah. like we wake up early to get out and ride our skateboards all day and then come home and just be like way too tired or come back wherever, like to the campsite and just be like way too tired to really want to do anything else other than hang out and chill. Like, and so there's no question. No one is standing around going, what do you guys want to do? Everybody's just <laughs> relaxed and enjoying <laughs> the fact that we're not skating anymore until tomorrow. You yeah. Know? When we'll want to so, skate some more. Yeah. So it's yeah. Like, uh, it's also interesting how, you know, in those multi-day events, 
you'd think that it gets harder and harder, meaning like your body becomes more and more taxed. But I don't know, you might start, as I said, like I started day two of Adiga a little on the rough side, but I don't know, your body just adapts, like you'll be fine, you know, don't worry about skating multiple days, it works out somehow, you might start a little tight or a little sore, but eh, it always works out, skating multiple days is just fun. The Diga is such a fun one, because you're on, you mentioned you were rough on day two, so like at the end of day two, it's like, shit, I gotta go back now, and that's just it, you just have to go back, like just, well, just go back. Uh, what was crazy for me this year i don't know i I, i'm pretty sure i can understand what in hindsight what went wrong you might remember we went to that pool i got peer pressured by a bunch of by a bunch of all the skaters to have a beer i like don't drink alcohol often at all and i'm just kidding there was no peer pressure it was just a poor choice by me um but anyway like you know everyone's drinking a beer and relaxing and and i was totally on board with that and then it's like in hindsight i did not drink enough water I had a beer. I did not have enough calories. It's like, I, I just screwed and I slept like shit. Like, or I didn't sleep that bad, but you know what I mean? It it just, works, I'm yeah. not in, uh, you know, as good as it could be for, you know, being in that shitty ass hotel in the middle of nowhere where they're like the freaking guys cleaning the rooms or smoking cigarettes in the freaking <laughs> rooms. I mean, like I'm like, not exaggerating, but anyway, um, like, yeah, I went into day two with all of that. And I, I just started feeling like shit. Um, but about 25 or 30 miles in on day two, I like snapped out of it and I ended up catching up with, uh, with, with Jeff and Jaron who were farther up oh, and yeah. I ended up finishing with them. Um, yeah. so yeah, I mean, that was, I, I was really in a shitty spot on day two. Um, I really did not feel well. And it was like the type of thing where I was like, well, I'm not going to stop skating until I physically can't stop, but I do not want to be out here on a board right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, until I physically can't skate anymore, excuse me. Uh, but I do sure. not, did not want to be out there. And, uh, and I, I just somehow it just started loosening up and then I don't know, but to, to your point, you know, you get to the end of day two and you're like, well, I've got to do it all the other direction now, the next day. I don't know. Somehow those multi-day events, day three always seems to be the easiest. Multi-day events, we need more of them, I think. Like, the skate camp is a perfect example of one that doesn't need to be like Ladiga, where it's like, we go here, and then the next day we start from where we stopped, and then the next day we ride the whole trail back. Like, you can do, like, skate camp, it sounds like there's, like, a trail system, and you just kind of go out and you do what you do. Or, like, you guys pick a distance or something, and then there's, like, the race, And like, it doesn't even have to be like that. It can be like, all right, we're going to go to this trailhead on Friday. On Saturday, we're going to go to the opposite side of town, start at this trailhead, ride this trail up, up this climb or whatever. And then on day three, we're going to do some other loop, you know, like it doesn't necessarily have to be like all connected, right? Like there's a lot of different ways you can do a multi-day event. It's, it's really fun to think about. One thing that's noteworthy of skate camp is, you know, if you want, we all have a common base, so we're not changing places. Um, There's no, people don't need rides anywhere. There's no support vehicles really needed at all. So as you know, that's a whole, you know, logistical obstacle for those other types of events. But for skate camp, meaning like if you wanted to skate the trail tip to tip and ride, you know, whatever it is, 55 or 60 miles, then, uh, then great, you can. And if you want to ride 10 miles out and then ride just 10 miles back and do 20, you can do that. And we all end up in the same spot. Everyone has a great time. 
Uh, you know, of course there's value and fun and skating together with people, but I mean, obviously it's not realistic for everybody to be at the same pace. So you get into your little clicks and, you know, your little groups with people, but anyway, um, yeah, I mean, it's a great time. Yeah. Um, that's kind of what a group ride is, right? It's not necessarily like you're all in a Peloton together, like maxing oh, yeah. out your speed. It's, it's very it's much pretty, spread out, you know, like pretty rare actually i mean i'd say the one of the rides where we were the most together was that colorado ride um maybe for the first 25 miles we were mostly together yeah and then we kind of spaced out after that but uh but i mean that was it's it's i agree it's not realistic for everybody to be like in the same niche it's like you know little pockets of people develop and uh and ride at their own pace yeah group rides are fun yeah we need we need to try and um I mean, I personally would love to get involved in trying to coordinate more people to skate together. And that is something that, you know, again, looking at, looking at social push, New York city and social push Cincy. And I saw a social push, uh, DC pop up. I, oh, I really? think it was DC. Yeah. Um, I like the, all these that things that are popping up, like, yes, we need to get people together to do these events more. And, uh, uh, it's, it's definitely one of the best parts. Some of the best friends I've made are just skate friends, you know? like-minded people yeah i met timmy p at the pump track did you really in charlotte wow yeah so actually uh, a funny story i uh it was covid time frame so you know everyone was doing their own thing and i've always wanted to skate a pump track and now you know uh, maybe three four five years later they're way more common than they were you know a decade ago they're all over the country now but they were not years ago there's one in New York City area that I really wanted to skate when I was living up there. I never skated it. And then I woke up one day on like a Saturday and was like, where's the closest pump track to me? And sure enough, there was one like an hour and 20 minutes away, just south of Charlotte. So I go there and um, and I'm skating and I sucked, especially the first time I went. I you know was eating shit a little bit here and there. And, you know, so I'm sitting off to the sideline. Once you get the hang of it, it's just so, it's like addicting fun uh, and addicting in a different way from LDP. But anyway, uh, it's just so much fun. And I'm, I'm, I ate shit. I'm sitting off to the sideline and I start talking to these other people. And I mentioned distance skateboarding in some capacity. And, uh, and one of the, the, the ladies there said, do you know Timmy P? I've never heard anybody else besides you and Timmy P mention distance skateboarding. <laughs> and I was like, you know, I think I've seen the name on Facebook, but no, I don't know him personally. And then I like messaged him on Facebook and was like, Hey, somebody gave me your name. And as you know, as a distance skateboarder, I see your posts in the, in the groups, like let's meet up. And like, we met up and we just became really good friends really, really quickly. Um, yeah. And then like, actually, uh, you know, Timmy P always told me about you and your brother. He was always really? like, "Oh, the Franks are great guys." Yeah, <laughs> and then I obviously I finally met you guys. But when we um when we were talking about like you know the first year I was going to Ultra Skate, we were talking about some of the crew and some of the you know the the fun of just just hanging out at Ultra Skate, not even the skate park, just the day before that night before is just its own bit of addicting fun. And uh, and he, we were talking about that, and he was like, "Oh, wait till you meet the Frank brothers." And <laughs> You know, he was name dropping other people too, but specifically you and your brother. He is such a good dude. Like he, he's one of the guys, first of all, for those who don't know, I guess Timmy P is like, he's kind of a bit of a legend. Like he's been to ultra skate as many times as I have probably more, I think. And like, 
So probably all of them, because I've been to eight. He's probably been to probably like all 11, you know, like he's like one of yeah. those guys. And um, he's a really awesome, dude. Really nice guy. He's like build skateboards, right? Doesn't he like he's 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 sometimes? incredibly clever and creative. He builds all sorts of cool gadgets and things. Uh, yeah, skateboards included. He presses some decks. And um, I mean, he he. He made, remember he made that giant one that looks yeah. like a big paddle that kind of like the Eric Palmer style with the two by four, um, you know, it was that theme of course. Uh, uh, but yeah, anyway, Timmy P is a gem. Uh, so for those of you guys that don't know, it's a, another good reason to go to an event is just to meet Timmy P. Yeah. Uh, he's, a, he's, <laughs> he's always got the <laughs> he's helmet. He's just a great guy. He's got a helmet with a brim and it's got a bunch of stickers on it. He'll have a paddle in his hand. No, it's, it's hydro dipped. It's hydro dipped. Oh, it's, it's, so it looks like stickers, but it's hydro dipped. What is, he's, what is that? He's, uh, you know, like when you, you dip like a pattern, you ever see like people oh, do like, uh, that's really cool. like into like a liquid with a pattern, you dip like a yeah. plastic piece in there and then it takes that pattern that, that, you know, that artwork that's in, yeah. the, in the liquid. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, he's just <laughs> an so all around cool. badass skater. He's been skating forever. You know, he was doing the old, uh, competitive stuff where, you know, these guys were twirling, you know, doing pirouettes all these times and, and he still does all this shit. You give him two boards and he'll put one foot on one board and do a manual, you know, a, a manual with one foot on one board. And then the other foot is on the other board yeah. behind him doing a nose manual and he can ride around and pump around like that. That's so he cool. does, uh, he does all sorts of shit. Yeah, he's an old school skater. Great guy. <laughs> Everybody should, should want to be friends with Timmy P. Yeah. Yeah. Timmy P. All right, man. Well, hey, we're kind of, you know, getting there on time here. Uh, you said yeah. you went on a skate already this morning. I have not gone on oh, a skate today. So I will well, need to be I doing that. Certainly, uh, I'm sorry to hear that. That's unfortunate. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I, I got a little skate in on my way to the gym this morning. So uh, uh, it's actually beautiful weather here. This some, Somehow, um, north of us is still 100 degrees. However, right now in Greenville, the high for today is 82. Ooh which is not exaggerating 20 degrees cooler than it was a week ago. So, uh, so I'm pretty excited about that. Yeah. You guys are getting all that heat. Yeah. We had a, a lot of heat the last few days slash weeks, but, um, but anyway, this weekend seems really nice. The holiday weekend kind of perfect. Well, Hey, I want to make sure we'd say if, there, if there's anything like you want to get out there, you know, before, we kind of drop off here that yeah, we didn't um, cover. It doesn't have to be skateboarding. Whatever no, I, I don't have anything too crazy to cover. Um, I just think, you know, just to stress, awesome for people to come to events. Always great to make new friends. Um, I'm always happy to help anybody when it comes to setups or tuning or anything like that. If, you know, if anybody has any questions about any of the gear that I ride or, uh, or, or how to tune something that might work best for them, I'm always happy to help. Please don't hesitate to send me a message on Instagram or Facebook. Um, I, I truly enjoy all those skate conversations and, uh, and I'd love to get more people involved in the sport and more people enjoying, you know, the boards, the way they're meant to be enjoyed, you know, they got to feel right. So, uh, anyway, yeah, that's it. Just let me know what I can do to help. And uh, if anybody has any questions and, uh, I hope to see all of you who are listening at an event soon. Yeah, absolutely. So two things I got to ask, one, you said social media, Instagram. What is your Instagram? Oh, yeah. Um, I'm 
so luckily there aren't too many Gavin Contis out there. So nice. I think hopefully I, I should be pretty easy to find on Facebook. Um, on Instagram, I'm just at gconti13. Perfect. Um, so yeah just uh don't hesitate to reach out you know I, i'm um always happy to make new friends and uh and you know if i can help anybody dial in their setup it'd be my pleasure so and then you want to see people at events your next event is the skate camp right yes yeah so uh i'm, cool. I'm moving up to ohio and i think that skate camp will be my first trip out of my new job slash new living situation so nice. uh i'm very much so looking forward to that i gotta book my flights um juan shout out to juan he got me taken care of with a campsite so oh. uh again make friends people watch, look out for each other i'm dropping the ball because i got a lot going on over here but these guys are all booking this stuff for hey, me. Man, they so. got you covered. Those are, yeah, that's like right. You said, the Florida crew is is great. It's a tight crew. They know what they're doing. They they hold it down. Honestly, um, I, I foresee many Florida events for me in the near future. Even just Florida weekends, awesome guys to go skate with. So um, great distance crew down there. Shout out to the Florida guys. Yeah, and then we'll see you in Miami. Obviously, after that. Oh yeah, oh yeah. You guys yeah. Uh, will definitely see me there. I'll be there. And I look forward to seeing you and your brother and the rest of the guys. I'm hoping we can get, you know, Joe there. And of course, you know, Adam and Jeff and Jaron and all those guys, I'm sure will be there. But, you know, um, it would be awesome to get Harrison, maybe some of the old old school guys back there, too. Yeah, you know? absolutely. When I saw Joe, I was like, so Ultra Skate? And he's like... Ah, well, you know, and I was like, oh yeah, he's coming. I've already, I've <laughs> already busted his chops. I've already busted his chops. I was like, to try and get him to come up. I, I'm, I don't know if he can, you know, he hasn't, didn't give me the solid yes, yeah, but uh, he, he I'm not accepting a no yet. So, um, so, you know, we'll see how it goes. We just got to try and get these guys there. It'll be so much fun. He knows. Yeah. He knows. He's like, oh, you guys are training for ultra skate, huh? Like... <laughs> Like, actually like on that note rubbing I, his I did finger, the math a couple together. days ago uh, ultra skate is like 167 or 166 days away so guys here's your warning yeah it's uh, it's 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 approaching and it doesn't sound like it's gonna come too fast but it's gonna come up fast once the holidays hit because it's like you know thanksgiving is uh you know end of november and then next thing you know it's christmas and new year's and then at the end of new year's you're a month out yeah so it's it all it all happens real quick yeah and like so, in august i'm always like oh i gotta i gotta be skating right now like this is it if i don't start now it's gonna be hard like it's just gonna get harder and harder to you gotta you gotta have a rhythm especially as as the weather changes um you know trying to create the habit when the conditions outside suck is very hard yes yeah so, at least for me maintaining the habit a little easier it's so much better when you like are at a point in your training where you like crave being on the board so that when it's shitty out you're like "Ooh, i think i can skate today rather than being like oh it's shitty out i'm not gonna skate today you know like there's like two mindsets you can be on one either side of the fence you want to be on one side by by the winter time I totally agree. We've talked a lot about that mental side, but it's so important. Yeah. It's so important. It'll totally change your training. So yeah. Uh, a little nervous about training in the Cleveland area for ultra skate, but, uh, but we'll see how it goes. Hey, man, you'll have to figure it out somehow. You'll figure it out. Yeah. Yeah. Be like Paul and Adam freaking putting studs in wheels. Yeah. You, you'll figure it out. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> you do something like, like that's incredible. Yeah. 
if no one, if someone's listening and doesn't know, Paul has a really cool video on this where he has studs in his wheels and he's riding on on a lake that has been iced over. It blew my mind in a way where I was like, this could be like the future of winter training it's, for distance. It's totally hiking. wild. Yeah, totally wild. I agree. So, yeah. Anything's so possible. Leave it to him and Adam to freaking innovate on that shit. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm no scientist. <laughs> but uh, anyway, yeah, well, it's been a pleasure. Um, this is a great podcast. Thanks for putting this together. I've been enjoying listening to it and um, I'm looking forward to hearing what else you put together for us. Yeah, man, I really appreciate you coming on. This has been a great conversation. Getting perspectives from everyone is like the whole goal here. And, and you really shared a lot. And uh, I really appreciate that. So thank you. Yeah, no, it's been totally my pleasure. So thanks for what you're doing here and keep it up. Thanks, Max. Thanks, Max.